Good morning. Um, today's reading is from Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly, in this city, there were gathered together and against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is the word of the Lord. You may please be seated. All right. Good morning. Um, it is great to see you all here this morning. My name is Dave. Um, I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And uh, just a, a heads up, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I just want to um, let you know I have a stutter, so it'll kind of come in and out as we go. And just want to uh, give you, again, a, a heads up on that. It has nothing to do with the game last night. It's just, um, though let me just say on that, just kind of as, you know, knowing our context to kind of pastor, those of us who love the uh, U of A, um, we, you know, I think all things are happening according to plan, okay? We're going to talk about providence and things like that today, but um, no, in all honesty, though, it's good, okay? Our weaknesses are exposed. We've got a lot of excitement to look a forward to in March. Amen. Um, but no, this, um, we've got a lot of excitement to look forward to today, to what God has in store for us as we gather together, um, as we celebrate baptism and um, even now be for that as we get into his word together. So with that, um, let me pray as we kind of slow down and ask God to uh, oversee our time and to help us to, uh, to, to hear and to receive the word that he would have. Um, Lord, we thank you so much for your, uh, your word. As we're told in scripture, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. So, Lord, we pray that we would uh, approach you and your scriptures, Lord, with expectancy, that you do a, a work in us that we can't just produce on our own, Lord, that we wouldn't just be filled with emotion or, um, you know, anything like that, but that, Lord, that uh, you would use your, your, your word written, Lord, to uh, penetrate our hearts, as we've even seen throughout Acts, Lord, that people were cut to the heart, and uh, where their eyes were opened, their ears were opened, and they received the good news of Jesus and responded in faith. And Lord, we pray that that would happen to those who are here today individually who have not yet trusted in you. And Lord, for us communally and corporately that we would respond in worship as your people. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, if you will uh, turn with me to Acts chapter 4, as Christina read for us, we're in verses uh, 23 through 31 in chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up, um, and somebody will get you one, okay? So again, hold it up high, keep it up, don't do the auctioneer thing, Uh, keep it up, someone will get you a Bible. Um, If you don't own a Bible, this is our gift to you. Um, También si quieres la... Biblia en español y no tienes, uh, levanta su mano y diga español. Uh, y si no tienes una Biblia, eso es nos regalo a usted. Um, estamos en Hechos. Okay, we're in the book of Acts again and want to make sure everyone has a Bible they can read and understand and make their own. Um, and so uh, with that, turn along with me and um, just kind of re- reminder, we love books of the Bible. We're walking through books of the Bible. We love to um, see uh, a, a thread and a common theme as God lays out his word. And, and we're in Acts, which is the Acts, not of the apostles per se, but it's, and that word Acts means works. And it's the mighty works of God. It's God revealing his glory and his splendor. And Acts is, um, is really like the second book in a kind of two-part series. The first one being Luke, the gospel according to Luke. The word gospel means good news. It's the good news of Jesus, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And then Jesus um, ascends, and then Acts chapter 2 picks up, and Jesus commands his followers, and then he ascends into heaven, and he tells them to wait patiently, and then we see um, the whole book of Acts is revealing the mighty works of God through the people of God um, in response to the person and work and rule of Jesus. And so what we'll see today, we're in kind of um, part three of like a, a, a little short three-part series that we've been in the, the last couple of weeks, and it, it began in uh, in, in, in the first part in Acts chapter 3 was the resurrection power of Jesus that heals a man. This guy has been lame. He's been, um, he, he's been unable to walk his entire life. And, and then these two, John and Peter, are going into the temple and they see him and they say, by Jesus who has been raised, stand up and walk. And this guy's healed miraculously. And then in week two, um, lo, lo, last week, we saw, we saw that, that God's power confronts people and that specifically the religious authorities are confronted with the resurrection power of Jesus. And I, again, I love this picture because the guy who's just been healed is like standing there. He's like flexing, he's looking at his legs and he's all there. And, and so all these people are confronted Then God's people are empowered and emboldened and then God's people are compelled to share the good news of Jesus and then they're sent away and so now in part three of that kind of three-part series we see today we see that God's people um, are praying together and they're responding to almighty God and they're praying for boldness and for faithfulness And so that's what we'll be looking at today is God's people praying together in response to Almighty God asking for for boldness and for faithfulness. And so that's where we'll see it'll kind of be be broken down into three, three kind of three parts. And so picking up in verse 23, we start and we see God's people praying together. When they were released, they went to the friends or to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. 
they lifted their voices together. This is kind of their, their face. This is the very beginning of a little hint of persecution, okay, which we'll talk about some in this sermon and we'll really, really get into in the weeks to come. We'll look at a lot of persecution and we need to discern and kind of define what is persecution, what's not persecution. But in the first opportunity, they're faced with struggle, with, with, uh, with, some, with, some, with some trials, with some outside persecution. And what do they do? They pray. They pray together. Okay, let me, we, some of you guys who are around church a lot, or you may have heard of the Acts chapter 2 church or the Acts 2 church, and we, a couple of weeks ago, we, we spent some time in Acts chapter 2, and, you know, it's kind of known, all oh, this community was all gathered together and doing these things. Well, you see here that it's not just some, like, nice little thing to do, you know, all hold hands and sing kumbaya and just kind of enjoy each other and use weird words together and sing songs about blood and, like, what does that even mean? And it's just weird, right? If, it's weird if it's not real, right? Amen? If if Jesus didn't really die and say, through my blood covering you, um, death and the effects of death and the consequences of death are now put to death. Okay, Jesus taking our place so that through him we don't have to die uh, once and for all, but we can have eternal life because he rose from the dead and and that, that, that defines a people, a community, um, shaped by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And then Jesus raises and then he, he, he commands his people how to live. And he says to wait patiently and to be faithful. And so then now when, when difficulty hits, they're not just like, oh, shoot, what do we do? I don't know. What, what do you think we should do? I, and then someone is like, oh, I, I guess we should pray because that's what you do in these times. No, they've been formed and shaped all along, and they're continually in this place. It, we talk about a lot that, that, that uh, uh, life is naturally supernatural. Okay, Or uh, another way of saying that is, is that God is forming us and transforming us, not just informing us through our consistent gathering here together. Okay, as we come together, as we gather together, as we worship God together, as we pray together, God's shaping us, he's forming us, he's protecting us so that when difficulty hits, the first flinch is, I know what we should do, we should pray. Because that's what we do, that's who we are. We, we go before God together. Okay, again, let me just say something on that note that we live in, in such an individualistic society. We're so prone to like just me and, you know, my couple of people. And then when, when difficulty sets in or so often we have on a, a facade, we wear a mask and we kind of, you know, think that we have to hide ourselves from one another and we can't be real and honest or authentic, right? That's kind of a key word, you know, in our day. We can't, you know, kind of do all these things. And then when difficulty comes, when sin sets in, when we, um, when sin is done to us or when we give ourselves and we choose to walk away from God, that's what sin means is not God in a nutshell. We, it's thanks but no thanks God. I'm going to do things my way and we leave him and we just go and we do things our way. Well, when that happens, so often we're stuck in this place of, well, now what do I do? But again, God's calling a community of people together who are drawn together, whose identity and purpose is secure because of who he is and what he's done and what he's declared about us that it's, it's natural for these people to simply come together and to pray together. Not to pretend like they aren't afraid, but to pray. And let me say to this, that prayer is not, okay, hear me, prayer is not 
simply preparation for ministry, but prayer is ministry. Amen? Like, we're, we're a people of the Bible, okay? This is a church that we love the Bible. We study books of the Bible. I sometimes probably, yeah, I sometimes kind of make fun of or joke about, you know, sermons that are like five easy steps to this or little acronyms that you could remember and things like that. And it's probably most time we make fun of anything. It's because of our own insecurities, okay? I'm a short, balding guy with a speech impediment. No, no secret there. I got a lot of them, insecurities. But... <laughs> But, but we also do that because we want to make sure, like, we know we're people of the Bible, right? Like, we, we, don't just, we don't just insert what we think we want to say or what I think is catchy or funny or creative. We submit to God's word. But often the temptation is to be people of the Bible and even there to, 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 to think too highly of ourselves and our own intellect and to think, oh, we, I study the Greek or the Hebrew or this old, you know, dead guy that I can quote that, you know, and let's just ignore all their past sins and ugly parts of the history and just, you know, quote these people. And I'm kind of airing all kind of Christianity's dirty laundry here. But, um, right, we kind of fancy ourselves more than we ought And we often forget that God and his grace, his undeserved favor, defines us. And and only because of his acceptance of us and his love for us and what he declares to be true. Again, the whole story of God from beginning to end, centering upon the person and work of Jesus, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus And if we're not shaped by that and defined by that, we can be people of the Bible, of the book, but not be people of prayer. And let's stop and slow down for a moment and even pray that God would keep us in a place where we would see ourselves rightly and we would be so humbled and we would understand our sinful condition or that all we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way, as Isaiah tells us. Okay, no one is, is without sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And now because of that, we read God's word. We come to him humbly and expectantly and confidently. And that means that we're people of prayer. And not just individual prayer lives, not just praying in a dark, quiet room by ourselves, though that's good sometimes, or just kind of you know praying in our car as we're driving or while we're walking or while we're eating, but also praying together. And our times of response when we, we always say, pray together. We, if we're not pray, a praying church and we're just, um, we're just kind of a, 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 we're just doing it in our own power and that's r- really good for nothing or no one. Okay, we, we have nothing to prove and nobody to impress. So we can move toward one another and ask for prayer confessing our sins to one another and praying together. So God's people here come together and are praying together. And their prayers are informed by who they are and also who they're praying to. Okay, pick back up with me in verse 24. It says, And they um, lifted their voices, how? Together. And they're praying to God. 
And they say, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. And then they go on and and quote Psalm chapter 2 or Psalm 2. So they lift their voices together and they say, Sovereign Lord. Okay, this is huge right here. Because who we're praying to means everything. All right, we, uh, we, we want to say for those of you who are here and are not Christians and have not identified yourself as a, as a follower of Jesus, um, we're so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. I'm from a family of non-Christians, if you will, and I con- consistently pray as we l- lead this church, as we do this, is what would it look like for my dad or my older brother or, or, my, or my grandparents or my whomever it might be to come in here, to be in here, Today, we're constantly looking through that lens. And I also know that what, what you want is, is, is authenticity and real. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that if Jesus didn't really raise from the dead, then we're foolish for doing what we're doing. Like, we should be made fun of. We should be pitied. We should be laughed at. Okay, this whole Christianity thing, what we're doing up here, me up here talking, again, Bibles, the whole deal is, is foolish and is, is dumb if it's not real. If Jesus didn't really raise from the dead, which proves that he is God and that God the Father raised him from the dead and put sin and death to death and gives hope and new life for all eternity, if that's not a real historical fact, the, the death of Jesus on a cross, and then on the third day, him raising from the dead, then we are foolish and should be laughed at. And that said, if that's not real, then prayer, if it's not informed by those real historical events, prayer is silly and foolish. So we would reject, I would reject any sense of this idea, and this isn't to make fun of anyone or say things, but the kind of, you know, coexist, you know, idea, the bumper sticker or the kind of idea that, well, all, we're all praying to the same God, right? And all things will not any other religion would affirm the death and resurrection of Jesus and what Jesus affirmed to be true and what he said to be true. And that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me. So if, if we're not praying to sovereign God who actually raised Jesus from the dead, then our prayer is like impotent and, and, and is, isn't, it doesn't carry power. But the fact that these people faced with fear for the first time facing opposition come together, they pray together and they pray to Almighty God. Sovereign Lord. They continue on and they quote Psalm 2. Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? That, that idea there of plotting in vain is like, is like silly efforts. Okay, it's just a, a very kind of minimizing picture of, of, of anyone trying to stop the mighty works of God that are going forward, that Jesus promised would go forward and that his people are being formed and shaped by It says, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate. Again, historical figures. Herod, Pontius Pilate, real in in the history books. Um, Josephus, a a non-Christian, a Jewish uh, theologian and, and, and historian, refers to all these people. These are true, true characters. And it even says there, these people set themselves against Jesus. 
And this is a reminder to this early church community (coughs) and to us today that this seemingly new thing is actually really, really old. Remember, that's been a theme throughout Acts and will continue to be. As, 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 as this church is forming, as God's people are coming together, as all these new things are happening and they're seeing people healed and this Holy Spirit descends and fills the people and they start to speak in tongues, which means other, other discernible languages, but everyone's understanding them in their own languages and all these things are happening and, and everyone's like, what is this new thing, this new community, these Christians, which that phrase hasn't even been used yet, these, these followers of Jesus who they're so committed that he rose from the dead that they were terrified denying Jesus, right? We talked about this last week, denying Jesus and running away and scattered and Jesus hangs on a cross alone. But then all these people who ran away afraid are now emboldened and confident. Why? Because that same Jesus rose from the dead and revealed himself to them and then ascended and said, I'm real and and now follow me. And they're seeing all these healings happen and they're wondering now as they face opposition, God, should we be afraid? Should we be fearful? Is there any hope? Are you in control? Just like many of us today, after we lose a loved one or we lose a job or we lose a friend, we now declare, I'm a follower of Jesus. And then we now wonder, what, is it, what does it mean? You know, and, and we lose friends. We're, we lose status and influence and favor. Well, whatever it might be, God, are you really in control? And this is a reminder, again, quoting this psalm is a reminder that this seemingly new thing is actually really old, which is a, a catchy way of saying that God, who wrote the whole story, is in control. He's constantly carrying out his plans as he saw fit. In fact, in verse 28, it goes, uh, the author goes on and he writes, and, and, and they say, as they talk about this, they say, they say, God, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Sovereign God, Whatever you planned, whatever you predestined to take place. Okay, those are some big words, especially in a, in a more reformed church like us, that some of those words, like what does sovereign mean? What does predestined mean? And often we think it just means, you know, God is up there kind of in the sky over, overseeing things and, and, you know, calling people to himself. But no, there's a language here and it should always be used. Anytime reformed theology is talked about or God's sovereignty or predestination is used, it should be an incredibly comforting and humbling reality that God is present and near and in control. Okay, for those who have studied philosophy, just kind of nerd out on you for a minute, is like Thomas Aquinas talks about his, his second way. This is, Tom, this is Aquinas's second way, which is his defense and argument for the creation uh, of things and for the, for the existence of God. And he says, not only did God kind of get the ball r- rolling, like, you know, just kind of r- roll the ball and let it go. And a, a lot of people think that and then look through the lens of predestination and sovereignty as God, like God, God, you know, rolls the ball and then knows what's going to happen. But no, but a According to Aquinas, and much more importantly, according to God's word and the, the, the language here, is of a, of a present oversight. 
and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a and a love and a concern for his people and for his plan. Again, I love this picture, this idea, just to help us understand. Um, it, it's the idea of God's of like God sending his kid to school. Okay, that's his creation, and the, the climax of God's creation is you and me, image bearers. God created us and knows the number of hairs on our head and, 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 and knit us together in our mother's womb. And so God forms us and knows us and cares about us and cares about his whole plan. And it's as if God like sent us to school, right? And we go and we, we snuggle up to a bully and then we get beat up by that bully. That's sin, right? We turn away from God. We say, thanks, but no thanks, God. I want to do things my way. And we go and sin by nature and by choice. We get beat up and the bully bloodies our nose and hangs us upside down, gives us a wedgie, gives us a whirly, right? I'm the youngest of four boys, so I'm, I've got flashbacks right now going on. But then the bully takes our lunch money and, and does everything to us and takes our shoes and, and sends us away. And God cares so much and God's so in control that God says, I'm going to show you my love and my power by going and not only defeating the bully and just protecting you from the bully and, you know, coddling you and snuggling you and keeping you. No, says, I'm going to now get everything back that was taken. I'm going to get every last cent, every last item, every last um, shred of integrity, every broken relationship, every tear that is shed. Jesus will come, the hero and the author of the whole story, restoring all that has been broken. And the end of the story has already been told to us, has already been promised to us, is where, is where Jesus returns and he judges the living and the dead. And for those who have put their faith in him, God the Father now looks at through the lens of child, son, and daughter, forgiven, accepted, loved. And that's the picture. And that's what's informing this kind of prayer here that as God's people come together, they pray to Almighty God. And their prayers are informed by who God is and what he's doing. And then in this last section here that's packed, though, so we're going to camp out there for a minute, we see... Now picking up in verse uh, 29, look how they pray. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. What do they pray in this moment? God, nuke them, blast them, or... God, um, we're starting to get a little uncomfortable here. They're starting to take our comforts. They're starting to take things that we would really, really like that, that really we've grown accustomed to. So can you, can you just get rid of, you know, all those things? Just kind of get, get, get rid of these people and get r- rid of these things that we don't really like and just make our lives a little more comfortable again because that's what Christianity is all about. That's what following you is all about. It's all about me and my comforts and, and things being the way I want them to be. Is that how they pray? No. They pray, God, 
Your work is continuing. You are, you are on the move. Verse 30, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They're, they're praying, God, as you're doing that, you're going to do what you're going to do. God's not biting his nails and saying, I hope my people you know, keep doing what I want them to do. God's doing his thing. He's revealing his, his works. He is revealing his glory, calling people to himself and blessing those whom he has created and calling his people to live for his glory and others joy the good of our neighbor what do God's people pray they pray for boldness and for faithfulness not for comfort you guys we're going to get into persecution a ton in the weeks to come okay in two weeks we're going to look at Stephen getting stoned and all kinds of, cra- not like that kind of stoned, not, you know, 70s or, you know, getting crushed by rocks. Um, I'm sure that's like a pastor joke somewhere. I'm sure that's like every pastor who's ever, maybe not. But, but, but okay, we're going to get into persecution. But I just want to say now, while we're here, while we're talking about it, that like we've got to take ourselves like we got to take a close look at ourselves right now and what we often call persecution like they took the Christ out of our Starbucks cups you know and so now we're going to wage war or I'm going to make I'm going to make the barista say some little catchy phrase on the because they have to say it so I'm going to say you know Jesus is lord so they have to say Jesus is lord as they call it. like I and sa- I know like we could get I could go off right now like media maybe presents that stuff, but let's be honest, like Christianity, evangelical Christianity, which we just want to, I, I just want to say, who are we? We're, we're Bible-believing, Jesus-following people, hopefully, prayerfully defined in all of life by the death and resurrection and rule of Jesus. Amen? And that's a packed phrase, Jesus really died. Well, why did he die? Well, sin, sin is real. Jesus really rose from the dead. Why did he raise from the dead? Well, God is all powerful, all knowing, and all good. And Jesus is ruling. He's not just saying, hey, whatever you believe, whatever you want to think, that's cool. It's cool with me. No, Jesus calls us to follow him, to submit to him. He does say there's a truth and there's an untruth. There is, there is lie. There is right and wrong. Okay, but, but, but and we could go into all this stuff here, but the, the big, yes, is Jesus truly Lord? Yes. Do we need to like berate the Starbucks barista because, you know, make them say it and read it because our comforts are being taken away and our nation is falling apart according to our lenses? And so often we look through the lens as though God's not really sovereign and though, as though God's not really in control. And let me just be, let just continue to press in here that, that again, his call for for his people has always been to be a light to the nations, a blessing to the nations. Even in the Old Testament and all throughout there, his people are being formed to be a light to the nations, to be a blessing to all people. And so when he calls a people to himself, it is never to just be selfish and to just turn away and to, and to just kind of forget everybody else and to walk off and to, you know, wander away and, and just say, well, you know, forget you. Um, I'm all about my own comforts and, and, and don't in, in, infringe on my rights. Philippians chapter 2 reveals 
Jesus, who laid down his rights for those who he would call his children. And in response to him, he calls us to do the same. Not by our own effort, not by our own strength, but seeing his great love, we too can now love. We can love our neighbor as ourselves. We can ask the question, God, what kind of persecution am I called to face? And I don't want to downplay any, okay, we, there is real persecution going on today in Tucson, Arizona, even for white middle-class male Americans. I don't want to go that other extreme and pretend like persecution's only out there, other people. Okay, again, all the things I talked about earlier, loved ones, broken relationships, loss of job, loss of influence, loss of friendship, all that stuff's real. Okay, I don't want to downplay that. But again, the gospel, the good news of Jesus empowers us to now think of the other, to think of real people who in our current political climate or or globally in different contexts around the world that might be experiencing persecution that perhaps we don't understand and that we can now say, God, how are you empowering me and enabling me to love my neighbor in the same way that I love myself? Not my comforts are being pried from my hands. But God, how does your good news inform these real struggles that are going on in the world today? My own and his and hers and ours and theirs. And let me say too, they pray for boldness. And I want to I speak to this because I know myself here and I raise my voice and get excited and talk about this. And sometimes boldness can feel like a, like, a, like a locker room talk of, hey, you know, all right, you know, do one for the gipper, right? And like, you know, let's all buckle down here and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and dig down for the fourth quarter and, you know, hit the game-winning three right as the buzzer. And you can tell things I love, right? I love sports. I love this kind of thing. And so we can hear this kind of thing and get like riled up. Like it's like, yeah, just, just try harder, do better, be bold, Right? There's that old song. Some of you guys may, may know. Be bold. Be strong. You know, for the Lord our God is with us. And just this whole like boldness and just getting pumped. And some of you guys didn't grow up in a Pentecostal church like myself. Um, didn't sing that. But boldness is not just like try harder, do better, suck it up. Okay, courage is continuing on in the face of fear. The boldness that these people are praying for and are called to is looking fear square in the eye and recognizing, acknowledging, I'm afraid. I don't have what it takes. But God, you do. God, you're great. Again, the language that's used here. God, you're sovereign. You're in control. You're all powerful. I uh, uh, heard a quote that I want to share with you. And I think it's so forming and so shaping the Holy Spirit who God sends out. Okay, again, Jesus dies on the cross, raises from the dead, tells his people to wait, how? Faithfully. Remember the F word for this year that I just think needs to shape us and form us? Faithful. God's calling his people to be faithful. And so they wait faithfully for not their own power, not their own strength, not their own wisdom, not their own wit, not their own intelligence, not their own, you know, church growth strategies or whatever it might be, but for God to do his work by sending his Holy Spirit. 
And this quote I love and pray would be true of us is this. It's that the Spirit of God transcends human ability and transforms human inability. Again, the Spirit of God, okay, the Holy Spirit, transcends human ability and transforms human inability. It doesn't mean we pretend we're not weak. It doesn't mean we pretend we have it all together. It doesn't mean that we, you know, kind of put on a face or, you know, puff our chest up and flex our muscles and think we've got it all together when we know inside that we truly don't. It means that we recognize our own weaknesses. We look to him who has been risen from the dead and is truly strong. And then we now say, God, by your power and your strength and your grace, Lord, give us boldness. And, and Lord, keep us faithful to your work and to your mission. And now as we get into our time of preparing to celebrate baptisms and to worship together in response, um, I just want to kind of connect the dots here for what's happening. That as people come forward and are baptized today, and for those of you who have been baptized, this is a time for all of us to celebrate and to remember. Again, for those of you who have not yet put your faith in Jesus, this is a time to see on display the, the, the picture of what happens when one puts their faith in Jesus. Again, it's not one pretending that they've, they're perfect or they've done it all together or there's nothing magical that happens in this water. It was, this is a, a, a feeding trough that was filled up by a hose. It's a, an unused trough, so it's clean. But... It's a feeding trough that was filled up by a hose with, you know, Tucson tap water. But what's happening in this moment is people are baptized, is they're recognizing, God, I am broken and I am desperate and I am needy. And I put my faith in you. I recognize that I am created in the very image of God. And that because of sin... I, am, I have distorted your image. I have broken what you have made to be good and beautiful and to reflect himself. And now I recognize that through Jesus' death, sin has been put to death into the water. And by his victorious resurrection, I am raised again to new life, a new creation, born again, given a new heart, regenerate. And by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, whom he has sent, I am now empowered and enabled to live all of life, all for Jesus, for God's glory, my joy, and the good of my neighbor. And then someone is, someone is baptized and, and comes out of the water and we all celebrate and we all cheer. And again, for everyone in this room who has been baptized, who has identified with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, let us celebrate. Let us remember this is a gift sent by God to form us and to shape us, to empower us. That as we see this, we're reminded that as we struggle with sin, we don't just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and do better and try harder, but no, we remember our baptismal identity. And so when you're faced with temptation, when you're faced with, 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 with the, a computer screen or a coworker or a bunch of friends or whatever it might be, whatever kind of temptation or in traffic or well, as we're doing our taxes, whatever it might be, we're faced with temptation. Temptation to leave God behind, temptation to sin. We remember, no, the old has been put to death. The new has come. I am a new creation. I don't have to give in to sin. I can now be, be led by God, the Holy Spirit, whom you have sent through the resurrected Jesus. 
Amen? That's good news. That's what we celebrate today. That's what defines us today. So now let me pray for us. In a moment, I'll dismiss the parents, but, but let's all first together pray. As we come together, praying together as God's people, responding to Almighty Sovereign God, asking for comfort and for faithfulness and for, for boldness, not for comfort, not for ease but that we would be his people. Let's pray together. Um, again, Heavenly Father, thank you that you're good, that you're in control, that you're sovereign, that you're powerful. Lord, thank you that we're not individuals, that we're not, Lord, called here to just kind of walk through this life on our own, to kind of suck it up and, and Lord, pretend and, 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 and just go at it alone. But, Lord, you've called us into community. I know those of us in this room even now facing difficulty that we didn't ever think we would be facing. And, Lord, I pray that you would remind us all that we're not alone, first and foremost, because you are with us and you have called us your own through faith in Jesus. We're children of yours. And also, Lord, you've called us into a community. So now as people are baptized and as we all celebrate and worship together, Lord, let us come together as a community. And, and Lord, as we respond in worship and in all these things, Lord, as a community of people, let us be encouraged and enriched and emboldened. Lord, I do pray that you would continue to form us and use us for your glory, our joy, and the good of others. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.